evidence and answers. Every year we send thousands of Christian students off to college, but statistics show the vast majority will not return home with their faith intact. Why does the faith of so many Christian students get dismantled on the university campus? How can we prepare our students for the intellectual and spiritual challenges they will face? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today, Pat and Ratio Christi President Corey Miller will be talking about the practical ways to prepare students for the university life. 73% of Generation Z embraces gay marriage. Wow. That's our future. Yeah. Corey, you know, in, in this last half of our interview here, we're going to talk about students, parents, and churches. But let's start with the students. How can the students prepare for the challenges of the university campus? Well, one hopes that the students are reading their Bibles and getting close to Jesus. You know, we don't want to advocate being a head-only ministry where there is no heart and there are no hands. The full Christian is head, heart, and hands. But in today's culture, if you're going to not just survive against the onslaught that you're going to face, but if you're going to thrive, you've got to have apologetics as a non-negotiable part of your study curriculum, not just Bible and theology, but apologetics. Because you can't do even evangelism these days at universities anymore effectively without having a background in apologetics. This is not our grandma's America anymore. Things have changed. We are not in the synagogue realm in Acts 2 or something like that. We've been in American culture in Acts 17 for quite a long time. We're on Mars Hill. And so if you're not prepared, if you don't have resources at least to be able to look up and engage some of these questions, the Christian faith has the truth. It's not faith or reason. It's a reasonable faith. But if you don't know them or at least don't know where to look for them, you're going to get fried and, and you're just going to get assimilated uh, by the machine. Yes. And there's also, you know, as you mentioned, a lot of social challenges for the Christian student once they get on campus as well. Tell us about some of the you know, social challenges that they should be prepared for. If they don't get into a campus ministry or a church group that is it's a kind that's going to help you grow. There are unhealthy ones and there are healthy ones. If they don't get into a healthy group, they're going to acquiesce to temptation. It's just too hard to go it alone. We weren't meant to be Lone Ranger Christians. And going off for the first time, if you're a Christian student with a Christian background and youth group and family and stuff like that, uh, going off to the campus where there's so much compromise that increasingly happens every new Friday night that comes up. If you don't have a conviction to pursue Christ in the midst of that, you're going to lose. I don't want to you know, get into the issue of losing your salvation or retaining your salvation. You can still, under the no loss of salvation viewpoint, have a, a defeated faith. And if, if you don't get yourself into a fellowship group that's a healthy group, you're going to lose. You're, you're going to have problems and you're going to come out defeated as well. It's got, it will have implications for later in your life. Parents have put too much time, blood, sweat, toil, dollars, and tears into their children than just to hand them off to these secular baptismal fonts. So they've got to be prepared for the relational context. 
even if they're going to be in the midst of, you know, some of the party scenes to go continue their relationships. Look, if, if they go into these dark places, they at least have to go in as children of light. And the best way to do that is to uh, be in fellowship with other believers. So there's the relational part and there's the intellectual part that they need to tend to. Yes, you know, I mean, there seems to be this skit on every university campus for freshmen. I think, you know, it's called issues or uh, whatever, but it seems to be the same skit all over the campus for freshmen. They go and there's a skit on stage. There's usually four or five students, you know, one comes out of the closet. Another one is a nymphomaniac. Another one is a political activist. And then you'll always have the bad guy, the Christian, who mm -hmm. condemns everybody. And in the end, feelings are hurt. There's arguments and it ends you know, badly because the Christian condemning and judging everybody. And at the end, the counselor, professor, advisor, whoever comes out and says, you know, we're on a university campus. You have to be open to new ideas and new lifestyles and try them out. If you're going to be a stick in the mud and you're going to hold to your ideas and not be open to anything else, basically they're saying, you, you know, you're not welcome on the campus. And it seems to be that same skit that's there on the first day of freshman orientation at every university campus. So that's the kind of social challenge I think students face that you're talking about. Right. And so, you know, parents don't have to be. This is this is quite a lot to swallow. You know, how, how much do you have to be equipped in order to then turn around and equip your, your kids? Do I have to be a philosopher? Do I have to be an apologist, a Bible scholar? No, you don't. You should be an active, growing Christian in your mind, not just in your heart and hands as well. But you've got to at least know where resources are at. You know, if you're going to study something on the sciences, I would, I'm just looking at my bookshelf now, 100 pager by John Lennox, Can Science Explain Everything? Or Scientism and Secularism by J.P. Moreland? Or Dictionary of Christianity and Science? Or Where the Conflict Really Lies by Alvin Plantinga? Uh, at least know of someone like yourself or apologetics ministries that might be able to function as a resource parents who want to know, well, what about, how do I explain homosexuality? How do I defend the biblical viewpoint? What about transgender? What about this and that? Those who are in that mix can serve as resources. So the parent doesn't have to be a scholar. You just have to be able to know where to go. And I think, you know, before the student gets on campus, they need to look up who are the Christian organizations there on campus and start hooking up with them, emailing them and or calling them and start hooking up with them before they arrive on campus. Because I, right. like you said, you get on campus and one week, you know, you're just inundated and it's like, well, I'll go check out the fellowship next week. And Sunday morning comes around and you don't have a ride to church. You don't know what church to go to. Ah, just sleep in. Well, one week turns into a month. The next thing you know, you're in that pattern. You're out of fellowship. You're under these uh, challenges from uh, the social challenges, the cultural challenges, the ideological challenges. And you're kind of by yourself and you're out of fellowship. And that's where the slide begins. And so I think even before they get on campus, they need to find ministries like Ratio Christie, Crew, InterVarsity and others and start making contact uh, with those organizations. Right. And I would encourage them to look, we can help them along the way. If they want to launch a Ratio Christi club on their campus, we can help you through the formation, navigating your campus, how to reconnoiter your campus, 
We provide the Constitution for you that is really written virtually by Alliance Defending Freedom, who has defended us for 21 out of 21 wins on college campuses. We can get you set up. We can help you with the resources. So you can help us launch these chapters on university campuses as well. Right. Now let's move to the parents. How can parents help prepare their students as they're going back to the university? Yeah, I mean, parents need to be able to, again, either provide resources or point to those areas where they can. Again, something like your ministry or like Rosio Christi, they can contact us. Looking at uh, one of my books by a friend right now, Natasha Crane, she's got a recent book out, Talking With Your Kids About Jesus, 30 Conversations Every Christian Parent Must Have. She's got another one, uh, Talking With Your Kids, uh, or Keeping Your Kids on God's Side is one of her other books. So you want to be able to, at various levels, have stuff that is age relevant to be able to help them with. I've taken my my 10-year-old through you know, Lee Strobel's Case for Christ kid version. And then he's got a, you know, junior high version and high school and stuff like that, or Jay Warner Wallace's stuff for those ages. So there are resources that are age specific. If you don't have it or know where to get it, contact us and we'll point you to it. Yeah, I think uh, you bring up a great point because interviewed several parents and they said, hey, Pat, you know, the doubting of their faith of the young people really doesn't begin in college it actually begins in the junior high level and it really Mm -hmm. culminates on the university campus where they're free and independent and really bombarded with these ideas at a high level but it really begins at the junior high level where they're learning darwinism in biology political correctness and all these things at the junior high high school level and the doubts creep in there. So like what you're saying is very true that the parents can start preparing their children to think critically, to develop a Christian worldview, to know what the evidences are, how to evaluate evidence and ask those critical questions at a young age is when parents can really need to start preparing their kids for the college campus. Right. They've got to help them develop and cultivate a heart for Jesus. That means they have to have a heart for Jesus, and the kids need to be able to see it. But beyond the heart, which is what our churches often focus on, which is not a bad thing, it's a good thing, the heart cannot embrace what the mind cannot believe. And those beliefs become more critical. They become either owned or rejected later in life as the student grows and starts to take ownership over his own or her own beliefs. And that's where the life of the mind is critical. They've got to be able to have resources and have developed critical thinking skills to sift through some of this stuff. Because let's face it, you know, we've just gone through this COVID-19 lockdown and a lot of parents, virtually everyone in America with kids, got their first taste of homeschooling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, some parents are challenged with their fifth graders' math assignments. Well, go now to a professor of philosophy at a university and see if you can stand up under that. The average pastor can't give adequate response to that. The average youth pastor can't. And so that's a, that's a tall hill to climb. You've got to be able to have the resources where to find those things. So cultivate the heart of your child um, and toward Jesus, and especially by letting them see it in you. But then again, the heart cannot embrace what the mind cannot believe. You've got to be able to develop the critical thinking skills and provide resources for that. And then, you know, when you train them up in the way they should go, 
the proverb says they won't depart from the faith. Of course, that's a generality. It's just a proverb. It's not an absolute. But training them up in the way they should go is about that cultivation of the heart, you know, the, the, the employing of the will, the engagement of the mind. Uh, it's full, a fully orbed Christian, and it's role modeled in the home. And then when they're out, they're no longer under your care, and they're going to be facing some pretty tough obstacles. They need to have those resources, and they need to have that community. Yes, and so I think what you're sharing and what you're saying is very valuable because parents, this is what you need to prepare your teenager for. This is what they're going to face. And the more they know about the university campus, a lot of parents, when I tell them what's going on at the university campus, are completely stunned. It's not the university they knew. And yes, this is not your grandma's America anymore, yeah. certainly not the university. Yeah. And so if parents can hear what you're saying and understand what their students are going up against, maybe the youth group, unfortunately, may not be presenting them issues on Christian worldview and basic philosophy and apologetics. Well, parents, you know, we can do that with our young kids, you know, starting from a young age and developing that because understand this is what they're going to face when they hit high school and especially the university campus. Right. Well, right. Corey, we move from parents to churches and youth pastors, youth workers. What can they do to prepare their students for the challenges of the university campus? I think uh, some of the same things that we've just talked about. You know, a youth pastor is, it's almost like a paraclete. It's one that comes alongside, right? The, the parent's agenda is primarily given by God to raise up godly children. The youth pastor emerged like the deacon emerged in the first century. Out of practical needs, there were certain families that no longer had Christian parents, so we devised this idea of a youth pastor. Eventually, it morphed into, hey, can you pastor my kid too? I'm a Christian. And then it became a staff position and so forth. Sometimes now we've kicked aside our responsibility as parents and given it over to the youth pastor. The problem is the youth pastor is not equipped for this stuff. They're highly relational, engaged relationally, uh, activity-oriented largely. Some of them appreciate the life of the mind and engage it, but that's generally not the case. But look, they can do a good job of what they focus on and, again, network, leverage resources, uh, partner with other, other ministries. And so there are books that they can take their students through, again, age-appropriate, middle school, elementary school, high school, from Lee Strobel's to Josh McDowell, to Jay Warner Wallace, Natasha Crane, William Lane Craig, all kinds of stuff. If they want smaller pieces, booklet-oriented, Rosho Christie has a, has a glut of those that they can download for free. But I would encourage youth pastors and parents to, or youth pastors, since we're on the church, to consider taking your students to the university and doing survey evangelism. Just ask three or four thought-provoking questions. Send your kids out there, let them go crazy. I have taught apologetics at a Christian high school and at a Christian middle school, and this is what I did in both. And when I was a youth pastor at all three churches I was on staff at, I took my students out 
doing evangelism at the university even. And I allowed them to come home, you know, clubbed over the head, their tail between their legs. They, you know, they got taken while they were there. But you know what? They did it in a healthy, safe environment. We could work through the questions together. And they became connoisseurs of conversational evangelism. And they developed apologetic responses when when some of these people would, would bring certain things up about the reliability of the Bible, about faith and science, about religious exclusive truth claims, about how do you reconcile a vision of love with an inhibition to homosexuality, you name it. You go to the university, you take your kids there, they will come away and know what the questions are. They'll have a better appreciation for evangelism. They'll be better prepared for having conversations that matter. And then you can work through some of those books. You work through those books without that, it's going to be like reading a dictionary. And that's boring. But if you take them out there and frankly let them get their butts kicked a little bit, (laughs) that's a healthy thing. It's a good thing. It's a good exercise. Yeah, you know, and I think youth need to know that the church is a safe place where they can ask the questions that they're struggling with and know that it's a safe place, but they're going to get some solid biblical answers from leaders who know what they're talking about. Everything from, hey, I'm learning Darwinism, and if Darwinism is true, Genesis can't be true, or hey, people are born gay. What do you have to say to that? I got a friend who's come out of the closet or whatever, and things like that. And and youth actually love interacting uh, with adults on these issues, but they don't think church is a safe place where they can talk about these kind of things. Right. Yeah. So I think what you're saying is great, you know, and I understand the struggle. I was a youth pastor for nearly a dozen years, and a lot of youth pastors are under the pressure that, hey, we've got to get this youth group growing and in order to grow, it's got to be fun and we got to be doing all kind of activities and games. And there's the pressure on the parents to make it attractive and fun for the students. And so there's that pressure. I tell youth pastors all around the country, hey, your kids want to be challenged. They want to be challenged. And the stuff you're talking about teaching, you know, Lee Strobel, apologetics, things from how to watch a movie to am I born gay? I mean, students want to engage on these kinds of questions. And this is the kind of stuff that's going to prepare them for the university campus. So don't be afraid to go deep with your students there. Yes. Amen. That's right. What advice would you give youth pastors? You gave great advice there on taking your kids on the university campus and witnessing to students there and, and, you know, getting a shellacking for a little while. If you were a youth pastor, what kind of curriculum or material would you be doing to prepare your students for that university experience they're going to have? Again, it depends on the age level. You know, you can you can go through, let's just take Lee Strobel, the case for faith or the case for Christ. You can do it at the junior high level, then you can do it at the high school level, then you can do it at the adult level. William Lane Craig has a great book, Reasonable Faith. That one's more high level or, or medium level, but for, for church life, it's, it's really high level. But he's actually got a curriculum that is for eighth graders. So there's curriculum that's already out there. One of our board members, and you can contact us, and I'll give you the the direction for this, but they've got uh, an Anchors Away, a whole year of workbooks to go through that take you through the reliability of the Bible, faith and science, the problem of evil and suffering, the 
objections to exclusive religious truth claims and so forth. So you want to be able to tackle the, you know, the bigger issues and, and apologetics, it doesn't have to be that scary. There really are three or four or five big questions that just keep getting asked. And if you just familiarize yourself with that or find material that uh, you can use to expose your kids, and then you take them on the campuses, and then they come back, and now they appreciate and want to read up on this. And then you go back to the campuses, and they deploy it. And now they start to develop a skill in how they deploy the information. And then they go back, and they read some more, and they talk some more with you guys about it, and uh, the youth pastors. And then they go back on the campuses and do it some more. If you do that with your students, they will be adequately prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks them for the hope. Uh, that's within them and do with gentle and respect, but they won't just survive the onslaught of the universities. They will thrive. We need to be about reclaiming the universities, not just keeping our head down and hoping that we can survive and stay alive. Those were our institutions and they got hijacked and it's high time we reclaim them. Fantastic. Very well said. Well, tell us about Ratio Christi. That's one of the fastest growing campus ministries around. Tell us, you know, what do you folks do on the campus there and how can people uh, start a Ratio Christi on their campus if they don't have one? Yeah, our, uh, we've been around only for about a decade, and yet we've got campuses from Rutgers to UCLA to Philippines, as you encountered this last year, Pakistan. I'll be on a Zoom call with our group in Malaysia, South Africa, Canada, and so forth. The UK, we've got a study center. The mission of Rasho Christi is a global movement equipping students and faculty with historical, philosophical, and scientific reasons for following Jesus. And our vision is thoughtful. Christianity, where thoughtful resonates both with the compassion of the heart and also the contemplation of the mind. Thoughtful Christianity, transforming lives on campus today, changing culture tomorrow. Our bread and butter, what distinguishes us from other apologetics ministries who have literature or websites or speaking tours, ours is we have our our boots on the ground on the campuses. That's what distinguishes us from other apologetics ministries is we're on the campus. What distinguishes us from other uh, campus ministries as opposed to apologetics ministries is that we do apologetics evangelism. And so we are a sort of a niche campus ministry, a special ops ministry that focuses intently on giving compelling reasons for following Jesus. Uh, we're not bunch of, a bunch of eggheads. We're highly educated, typically, or we have resources for educating ourselves. But, you know, we believe that we have two ears and one mind for a reason, uh, so that we listen more. Someone needs a hug, we give them a hug. If they need an argument, we are the campus ministry to give them an argument. But we develop campus apologetics evangelism clubs, and we meet weekly like a standard campus ministry, but we have a focus. We, we don't do your, your typical prayer group or Bible study or Thursday night barn dance. Most of us can't dance anyway, <laughs> but we, you know, want to engage. And, you know, for youth pastors or parents, or pastors or people that are listening to this, to some, this might sound, well, that's sort of irrelevant. No, it's not. Read the latest Barna research. Again, 44% of non-believers with 13 options, chose one option, better supporting evidence. Apologetics is back in demand. It's not only a command, but it's back in demand. If you are not uh, doing or equipping your students to do evangelism 
Acts 17 style on campuses, they will not be prepared. So that's what we do. So we provide a, a place for them. And I will say that a significant number of students that attend our meetings are skeptics or non-believers, including presidents of other clubs from Islam to LGBT and a skeptic society that they attend our, our clubs. So we try to engage, you know, more light than heat, but we do engage the big questions. And so that's, that's pretty much what we do. We've had a number of our people go out and become professors, become pastors, go into politics, and also jump on board with us and go launch new chapters elsewhere. Yes, you've been listening to our interview with Dr. Corey Miller, president and CEO of a great a ministry there called Ratio Christi. Ratio Christi, go on their website, look for their campus ministries there across the United States and now going across the world. One of the fastest growing campus ministries out there. Fantastic ministry with fantastic resources there. Well, Corey, thanks for being with us here again on Evidence and Answers. Patrick, it's my pleasure. And one of my items on my bucket list is to get out to Hawaii, hopefully in the next year. So I hope to see you there. Fantastic. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or perhaps hold an apologetics conference, give him a call. That number locally is 4830586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org, and you may do so right there online. You'll also find we have a wide variety of resources available to you, everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with those around you. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, visit them online at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucaran. Yeah.